0: Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at wwwsonic Today we're going to be continuing our run through the 1999 movie year with a uh, horror action entry from uh, later in the year directed by Peter Hyams. It's called End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And to talk about it, I'm pleased to be joined by The uh, the um, I don't know, the uh, what what editor in chief, (laughs) editor in chief. I, yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of that. The uh, editor in chief of a death ensemble, the death ensemble website, who's been on the podcast before when we've uh, talked about horror movies, and uh, he's gonna be joining me on a couple of these, and uh. Please uh welcome to the show, Phil Fasso. Thank you very much for joining me again.
1: Oh, Brian, it's my pleasure and it was not my pleasure to watch End of Days again, believe me.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean you're the one who suggested these movies to, to So let me let me fair.
1: let me say let me say <laughs> that there were there were a, a number of great movies to come out in nineteen ninety nine. Yes. The two we are talking about are not two of them.
0: <laughs> well, and the first one we're talking about is uh, one that I I actually did not see in 1999, even though I was curious about it. Um, Peter Himes' End of Days, which is a uh, which is basically it's it's one of these movies that sort of played off of. Uh, millennium uh paranoia and stuff like that about the end of the world and all that stuff. And really So let me Go
1: ahead. I'm no, sorry. go ahead. No, I was gonna say so let me let me talk about two things real quick. Number one, this is the last movie I went to see with my brother. Okay. And uh that was twenty years ago. Yeah. I don't know why. I just remember I was at his house because I wasn't living at home at the time. Mm-hmm. I had already moved out. And my brother, for some reason, said, you want to go to the movies? And there was a new theater in Ronkakama, a new Regal Cinema. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So we went to see End of Days. And uh, that is historic because that is the last movie I saw with my brother, and that was a full two decades ago. The other thing that I want to talk about to set this up, set the frame for, for your audience who might not have been around or don't know about this. So... The whole thing with 1999 turning into 2000, as I'm sure you remember, was the Y2K craze. Yeah. Right? Yep. So so just a little history on that. So Y2J was this thing where basically all the computers, because we'd come, become so computerized by then, were apparently set where their internal calendars did not go past 1999. Right. So the the idea was that, hey – once January 1st rolls around on 2000, it's going to be total chaos. All the street lights are going to be off. There's going to be no electricity, people screaming in the streets, dogs and cats living together, all those <laughs> sorts of things. There's going to be no, no semblance of structure or the whole social structure is going to collapse yeah. because our computers are all going to die. Yep. Now, as we know, none of that happened. No. Okay. The other thing is that, of course, now we're talking about a new millennium. Well, the millennium is technically two thousand one that it changes, but right. everyone thinks it's the new millennium, two thousand, right? Okay. So all of a sudden I'm waiting for as nineteen ninety rolls in, nineteen ninety-nine rolls in, me being a movie fan and a horror fan, and you know, I was semi religious at that point, I guess I'm expecting all sorts of movies like this. Like and no well, not not quite the disaster this is, right. but movies that are in the same line of hey, you know, the world's gonna fall apart. Terror, chaos, religious overtones—all those sorts of things. And as far as I remember, this was the only one to come out that was in that vein. Yeah, at least that I remember. Yeah.
0: Of. No, and that's absolutely right. And it's funny because arguably, I, I, if if I had to go as far as sort of like end of times horror, I think the best genre entry that year was the Hush episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was brilliant and basically it it basically the the voices of the denizens of the of sunnydale in that episode had been taken by monsters and so you basically had like 29 minutes of no dialogue whatsoever and so was silent storytelling but they they played up to a certain extent when you when you go through like the uh the town in that episode there's like all of these end of times, like paranoid, uh, you know, you know, uh, people reading Bible passages and all of that, or like sure. sign language through Bible passages and stuff like that. So, but I will have to say, like, it's funny that the probably the best example of doing like end of millennium or end of times uh filmmaking was probably Catherine Biglow's Strange Days a few years earlier.
1: Probably which yeah.
0: was another one that, you know, played up the nineteen ninety nine going over to two thousand, but that that movie dealt with a little bit more real world uh implications than just uh genre nonsense. Um sure. but it's it's still, you know, it's yeah, there there's a lot of things that this movie has. There are a lot of ideas there in this movie that like really don't connect and at all. And I no. think that's one of the things that's, uh, I guess I should say interesting about it. But I mean, I don't want to give the movie more credit than it deserves because it's really, it's really kind of a boring movie. But.
1: If you wanted to see a movie in which Arnold Schwarzenegger gets crucified, this is the movie for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically,
1: so um, the the thing with the Y two J stuff is just that you know it was this whole this whole idea of turning the clock to two thousand, right? So we're in a whole different we're in a whole different world. When we changed to 2000, right? It's progress. It's, it's a big marker on the calendar millennial, right? Yeah. So the whole idea that the world's going to change, you know, it's it, everyone's, everyone's tied into their computers, all this stuff's going to go on and, and there's going to be some really, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, the sense of wonder where everyone was like, wow, this is going to be a, a whole new different experience. Right. Yeah. And then you had the whole fear thing with the nine, you know, the, the Y2J in that, you know? Yeah. Uh, the Y2K in that, rather. And, you know, those things could have culminated in a whole slew of movies, mm-hmm. especially in genre stuff.
0: No? Oh, yeah.
1: And, and this, unfortunately, is the only movie really to capitalize on it in 1999. It's shocking. It's astounding. Yeah. It's just really it, surprising that there weren't a whole slew of these things coming out.
0: Oh, Absolutely. And it breaks my heart when I was uh, reading on the trivia on IMDb when I, as I was uh, watching the movie that apparently uh, Universal would approach Guillermo del Toro to do this at one point. But I think he was in the middle of doing something else, so he wasn't able to do it. And it's like, oh my god, we missed out on something that could have been actually really good. And-
1: I mean, imagine, imagine how interesting it would have been. Because you know what an interesting take that Del Toro has on everything. Yeah. To get him to do a movie like this, you know? Yeah. Imagine how, imagine how someone with that kind of creative force. Now, Peter Hyams two years earlier had made The Relic, which mm-hmm. I think is, a, for me, it's the perfect 1990s monster flick. It throws you back to the 1950s with a monster running around and eating people and killing everyone. And, and there's some great standards and special effects there. So he's coming off that. He's coming off what I, what I found. And that's another one, but I actually, actually have to see that one in the movies as well. So he's coming off a really top notch genre piece that's a lot of fun. You know, you have, uh, you have some great stuff in that, great special effects, some good character actors. And then he gets here, and I'm like, what the hell am I watching?
0: Well, and, and and that's the thing. Like, yeah, you mentioned Hyams, and yeah, I it's been a, it's been twenty plus years since I've seen The Relic, but yeah, I really liked The Relic when I saw it, and you know he's also the director of 2010, which isn't no is not the Kubrick film, but is a damn good sequel to a masterpiece and the fact that he was able to do that well with that material it's like he's he you the point is he's a better filmmaker than than this than what we see here and i i have a feeling part of the problem a huge part of this problem with this movie it it lands on the screenplay but it also lands on the fact that this is arnold schwarzenegger and this was basically – he had been away from movies for a couple of years at this point, even though he hadn't quite gone into politics. And he was sort of looking at this as sort of a comeback movie because I think this, was, this might have been the first one he had done since uh, Batman Robin.
1: It is, yeah.
0: And <laughs> so when you look at this – when you look at – when you listen to the dialogue in the scenes that he has – it's very much an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, but it, and it, that's that, that, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem
1: Jericho Kane, his character, is supposed to be this deeply affected guy, right? Yeah, his wife and his wife and child died, right? He's at a moral he's at a moral you know crossroads. Mm-hmm. He's basically. Up on life, he's walking dead at this point, right? Yeah, he, he has nothing to live for, and of course, you know, you get the most cliche way of showing that. But he wakes up in his apartment, and his apartment's filthy, it's a disaster, and he throws a piece slice of pizza with some liquid into a blender. Like, okay, so I got, I don't I need to hit me over that with this, you know. <laughs> but that's that's how we're introduced to him. And of course, it's Schwarzenegger with some, you know, scruffy facial hair. Yeah. So yeah. you know, he's he's, he's given up. But the problem is, if you put somebody talented, and I'm not saying Ronald Schwarzenegger isn't talented, but he does. But if you put a real actor in that role, let's say you Dancy for argument's sake, because uh, you Dancy was great in Hannibal, I, you know, it's greatly affected Will Graham. Yeah. If you put him in that role instead, you have a real flick on your hands. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is, you've tied this religious. You know this religious and moral morass around Schwarzenegger, who's clearly not cut out for it at all.
0: No, he's not. No, I mean the thing is, it's, <sighs> so and and that goes to the screenplay in general. And the screenplay is by Andrew Marlowe, who before this had all had written Air Force One. So Air Force One is a pretty good genre film, and then he had also created the uh, TV show Castle the Nathan Fillion vehicle. So his, his thing is more quote unquote, real world pulp, you know, not supernatural thrillers, you know, and this, this is, you know, you, you can't help but think of a little bit of Rosemary's baby, but also I couldn't help but think of Da Vinci code as well, you know, with this whole religious conspiratorial, uh, storyline that really doesn't get fully explained until the one hour mark by rod steiger and it's it's like i it's this this movie is just such and up until then it's 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 an ugly movie to look at it seems (laughs) like it's an ugly movie to look at which is Weird because Himes is a good director. He's a good cinematographer. He's one yeah. He does movie. his own
1: cinematography. Yeah. I'm I'm shocked that this is as ugly as it is. Yeah,
0: and so this this movie's it's just such a mess. And it's like
1: here's here's the thing. Okay, if you and again I'm a big fan of of that whole religious horror thing that was going on in the late sixties early seventies. I, I told yeah. you on one of your other podcasts is by far my favorite horror movie you know mm. but with that with rosemary's baby i'm not a big fan of the exorcist but with those movies it doesn't seem like the religion was just thrown in for the gags right. you know here like like i really believe that gregory peck is trying to convince himself that he's not the stepfather to satan's son you know yeah, yeah. And, and and again like Rosemary, Rosemary, you, she's trying to convince herself that this cult, you know, she nothing's going wrong in the entire world. but I'm buying into that. I'm buying into that. There is a cult out there who is living in this apartment building, who has gotten Satan to seduce this woman to bring her, her his son to earth. It is the most ridiculous thing in the world. If you told somebody in the street that nobody would ever, but that's the stupidest thing in the world. But watching that movie I've bought in, it's convinced me through the performances, through the writing, you know, through through that. I mean, Max von Sydow is a great actor. He is totally convincing as Father Merritt. Yeah. You know, there's no way that he's not this haunted priest in that movie. You you buy in. Schwarzenegger running around with Gabriel Byrne as quote unquote, the man. And let's talk a little bit about Gabriel Byrne. Yeah. Okay. First off, a very, very fine character actor.
0: Absolutely.
1: Not in this movie. No. (laughs) Okay. So the first thing we see with once he becomes the devil, right? Because there's this whole thing where he's this, first off, there's this whole subplot at the beginning where he's this this rich guy that Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposed to protect because Arnold Schwarzenegger is a a previous cop, right? Yeah. So you're setting up a banker. I guess you're trying to say at that point that, you know, money is the root of all evil, so the devil's Mm going to take over a banker, right? Right. Instead of taking over an innocent girl who's trapped into a bed and going to puke pea soup, you're going to make him into a biker. Okay, fine. He becomes this devil because the Satan swoops into him, right? And what is the first thing? So so this is the millennial badass. This is the evil of all evil, right? Yeah. So, so what is the first thing we see him do? Some skate kid pisses him off, and he basically makes the kid roll out in front of a truck. So. Yeah. That's what the devil – so so that's how the devil is going to use his power. This should be the most powerful force of evil on the face of the earth, and he just killed a skate kid for pissing him off. Right, right. there, yeah. I'm like, what is going on here? Well, Don't if- get me wrong. Gabriel Byrne does the best he can with what is, let's be honest, a shitty role yeah. in this movie.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, I will say, like, the, there's a scene later on in the movie with Arnold and Gabriel Byrne where Gabriel Byrne is, you know, basically recalling to Arnold, like, the scene where his family died. That yes. has got some interesting dialogue in it, and it's, like, it's one of the few scenes where it's, like, Gabriel Byrne feels somewhat invested in this movie. Like, otherwise, he's just completely... Over the top and ridiculous in the movie, and yeah, he's a fantastic he's a fantastic character actor. I love yeah. him in Miller's Crossing. I I thought he was fantastic and Hereditary this past year. And Look
1: in in a in a sea of great actors in The Usual Suspects, yeah. which I also believe came out in ninety nine. Right, wasn't ninety nine as well.
0: 95 okay didn't 95 have a few years before but right. yeah so, I mean,
1: so the thing is that in a sea of great character actors he's the one that pops in that movie yeah you know because Gabriel Byrne is just a talented guy mm-hmm. he looks bored in this movie he looks like they told him all right just overplay and he looks like all right so when's my paycheck coming you know yeah, exactly so you have Schwarzenegger who's not convincing as this guy some guy in a, stuck in the middle of a moral morass who he's falling apart because his wife died. Mm-hmm. And he's at this, he's at this, you know, spiritual crossroad where he's given up, but he wants to redeem himself. And then he, so he's, he's terribly miscast. And then you have Gabriel Byrne, who's totally misused in this movie. You know? Yeah. So again, you have two actors on these your two leads and neither one belongs in this movie at all, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is a shame. It, it in, really uh, is. Kevin Pollack, Kevin Pollack uh, as Schwarzenegger's wisecracking
0: body. God, yeah, I, I can't believe I forgot Kevin Pollack was in this movie. Yes, that's another Usual Suspects alumni. Yes, it is. And absolutely fantastic character actor. In pretty much I remember him on the show... Done.
1: But... I remember. I don't remember what the TV show was. He was on this. He was like a, a secondary player on this comedy show that was very briefly on in the eighties, and that was when I first discovered him. Hmm. And he's hilarious. Yeah, but he's not hilarious in this movie at all. No, you know he's just supposed to be the wisecracking sidekick guy. You
0: know, it's just like none of it works. Yeah. None. No, and it's because you know? of the fact that this movie, I, I can't say. To a certain extent, I don't want to say it has an issue with tone, but it kind of has an issue with tone. And I think that comes from the fact that you, on the one hand, you're trying to make this religious uh, end of the world movie. On the other hand, you're trying to make it an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. And where shit blows up just don't work.
1: No, not at all.
0: And yeah.
1: You well, know, those- there is a way where you could have done this. Even if you want to throw some action scenes in there, there is a way where you could have done this if you had somebody who was a more capable actor. Yeah. Now let's face it, Schwarzenegger in the '80s. Hey, I'm just like most guys. Predator is one of my favorite films. Yeah. It's a great film. Commando. You know all his flicks that he did in the in the <laughs> yeah. '80s. You know, Conan. I, my Conan was the first flick I ever saw in a drive drive through. I drive uh, in theater. You know, my mom took us when we were kids. So, you know, Schwarzenegger was great at that stuff, but he's so limited in his actual acting ability when he's not pumping his muscles and throwing swords and, yeah. and monsters around, yeah. you know, that you have what is a pretty weighty role considering he's supposed to be this tortured guy and it's dialogue heavy and it's just, no, why? Yeah. So apparently from what I read, because I did some research also, I read that Jim Cameron was somehow involved in this film, oh, yeah, and he's the one right. who told Hyams, "Hey, you got to direct this, and Schwarzenegger's is going to star in it."
0: Yeah, because apparently right. Jim Jim that.
1: Cameron, Jim Cameron, apparently, because like you said, Schwarzenegger was was wasn't in the movies for a couple of years, and that was apparently because of his heart condition. Yeah, he, he had heart surgery at one point, yeah, and he right. was basically uninsurable. They couldn't he couldn't get insurance, so they couldn't film anything. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't, you know, for the especially because he does a lot of his own stunts. You know, so yeah. so Jim James Cameron came to you know, came to Hyams and said, You gotta direct this. And I think that because you threw Hyams into a movie that wasn't his originally yeah. and you're taking you're taking a script that's kind of a disaster, and he's stuck with Schwarzenegger, who's got limited talent, I just think that this thing was set up to fail before it even started. It.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and
1: and then, then you get into some of the minutia of it. So I'm looking at like, there's a, so there's a scene at the beginning, right? Where, you know, they find this child, it's the whole sky and the stars ripping the sky and all that. It's, yeah, she's got to be born. It's her. So the nurse smuggles the baby out and brings it to some secret basement somewhere, right? Yeah. And there's the scene where she puts the baby down and you look at it as crying, and it's a baby, right? Yeah. She grabs a snake and there's you – know, it keeps coming back between the baby's face and the long shot, and in the long shot, it's a fucking doll. Not only is it a doll, it's an obvious doll. It's like – it's like – so, Peter, two years ago, you had Stan Winston creating in the cartography, you running around the fucking museum, <laughs> and now, now we're looking at a baby doll. And oh my god, it's so bad so yeah. obvious at this thing. And some of the other special effects, like the the bomb who's got the sun shot eyes. I mean, mm-hmm. some, it's just some of it is just so bad for a for a movie that really needed effects. They didn't. They didn't splurge on the effects in this thing at all.
0: It was awful. <laughs> well, and the, the and that's that's one of the baffling things about these big studio movies. Like this was a Universal production. Yeah, like, it was. this wasn't an indie film. This was a Universal movie, and it's like they, you know, they weren't they weren't hard up on you know they weren't hard up on ma- money at the time. Probably it's like so. How do you not? you know how do you not make sure that this movie how how do you not treat this movie because i i don't remember what else they will have had around the holidays this year that would like sort of taken precedent about it it's like and the thing is it's like the movie did okay it's not like it, it didn't completely flop i mean it wasn't also it also wasn't a huge hit either but it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, why are you – if this is supposed to be a big deal for Arnold, why are you not trying to make this movie as top-notch quality as possible?
1: Absolutely. I think that the studio – like this – you have to figure when a director makes a movie – he's got a cut that he's got to show the execs, right? Yeah. That means a bunch of execs were sitting around in a movie room, watching the film project onto a wall or screen. And saw that baby doll on that table and said to themselves, we can let that steam stay in. Sure. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) It's
0: unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is, it's like this, this is, it's got a decent hook. It's got an interesting premise. The problem is it's, Part of the problem is the the storytelling in the filmmaking cuz this movie moves from scene to scene pretty quickly but it doesn't really explain anything. It really no. is not until Rod Steiger as a priest comes in to basically explain the entire story. Like we pick up sort of like what the basic idea is but it's it's it, it's like oh we're not going to worry about exposition. We're just going to go from scene to scene to scene. And it's, it's – this movie was such a weird movie to watch. I just couldn't get over the fact – I couldn't get over the fact at how wrong Schwarzenegger was for it. I couldn't get over the fact that it was just so predictable in the way it staged things, the way it executed things, in that it just – it was absurd from minute one. And it's just like – how, it, it's one of those things where it's like, how do you have all these talented people and yeah, Schwarzenegger, he's not a great actor, but if you if you play to his strengths as an actor, he can be really good. And the movies sure. you mentioned earlier, Predator, Terminator, Conan, all of those are great examples of that. Absolutely. This is, way, this is not a good example of that. And it's because of you're, you're asking him to sort of go outside of his wheelhouse as an actor and what his strengths are. And it's like, if you put an actor... Like, two people I thought of who would have been really good in this role, Denzel Washington probably would have been really good in this role, or Harrison Ford. Like, yeah. If you have somebody like that, like, I think you could really make this movie work. But the problem is, it's it also is confused about what type of movie it wants to be, too.
1: Oh, just look at the first two two major sequences, right? Yeah. The first sequence is the whole, the star, the comets have aligned. We have this kid that's going to be born, that's going to be the devil's wife one day, and then Satan's going to go back to Earth. Then the next scene is this giant action scene with Schwarzenegger jumping across buildings and gunfire and explosions. Those two scenes just, they don't go together. They smash into each other.
0: Yeah, and that totally different films. Yeah, and that chase scene at the start is, that you just explained was bonkers. Like I couldn't get over what I was watching. It's like, really? This is and the score by John Debney, who's a pretty good composer. He's done some good work. He sounds like he's aping the Terminator in that in that that sequence in that scene and in, in the movie in general. It's like yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Again, you don't know what type of movie you're supposed to be making.
1: Um, no, and that's the problem. Yeah. Okay, so here's how they could have made this <laughs> successful one way or the other. So if you want to make something in the vein of Rosemary's Baby and the Omen and you want to go with the whole, the devil's going to come to Earth and we're all, I mean, that's a legitimately people have been scared of that for thousands of years. You know, yeah. you have know, the epic poems written about the devil coming to Earth, you know? Whole, I have a whole book somewhere. I don't remember where it is, but it's like 20, 25 short stories about the Faustian tale because mm-hmm. we're so obsessed with, with the evil and the evil as this just eternal thing that's going to come and it's going to – it's creeping into our lives every day because we never know when when dad's going to get cancer or you know, you're know you going to break up. Your relationship's going to break up. We never know when that stuff's coming. Right. right? The evils in life are always there just like the hand of doom waiting over our head, right? Hmm. so that, that's that's one thing okay and i totally get that so if you want to go that route and make that type of movie then and you, then i can justify the whole religious mumbo jumbo i can justify a priest being hung from the ceiling i can because just a few years i think it was just a few years before this you have the exorcist 3 coming out yeah. directed by uh the, the guy who wrote it i don't oh, remember his name. There you go, yeah. Paul Yeah, blah, 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 blah. That is a scary movie where a religion plays into the story. Yeah. So if you wanted to do that, there's precedent that works, obviously. There's mm-hmm. plenty of it where you can say to yourself, all right, I can see how this would work. Or if you just want to make a badass action flick and you want to see the devil you know, on Earth and you want to see all sorts of negative, you know, sword doing the guy, machine gun fights you know, bring out a Browning 50 caliber and blowing the devil away and this and that, that I could see you could go that route too. And that would work, that would work to Schwarzenegger's strengths. Yeah. You could have made an action flick out of this. You didn't need, you could have cut out all the religious mumbo jumbo. You could have made an action flick out of this. And that also could have worked. Yeah. What they decided to do instead was try to make this hybrid thing between the two, which is neither fish nor fowl. And it fails at both. It's yeah. not a very good action flick, and yeah. it's not scary, so it's not a horror flick either. Mm-hmm. How, are they, how are they going on either one of those routes? Instead of trying to say, "Hey, let's stick them together," maybe they would have had something. Problem being that they decided, "Hey, you know what? We want to make this. You know, it's it's a religious and the thing with the Bible and all that. two thousand the year two thousands coming up, and they wanted to do the whole, "Hey, well Schwarzenegger's in this, so let's blow shit up." Yeah. Now, because they went both routes instead of choosing one or the other, it just it fails on all cylinders. There's no way to save this flick as it is. No, absolutely. And, no, and that's that,
0: unfortunate. That's, yeah, that's absolutely right. And the thing is, it's like the... And I, w- I would say, you know, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, it's like, if you're going to go the... If you're going to go the religious route, you're going to go the religious paranoia route. It's like, you're going to have to do something smaller. You're obviously going to have to recast the main character and do something smaller. Now, it doesn't mean you, can, you can't You can make it, you know, effective as far as the visual effects and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, you're maybe not going to go as big as you normally would, but at the same time, you you don't have to you 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 should be able to do something effective in that way. And it's like that's where the idea of Del Toro doing this really will have been great because it's like he's done Devil's Backbone, he's done Pan's Labyrinth and stuff like that where it's like or he's done something like Crimson Peak which is not great but at least you see his personal vision there and you can see sort of like the way you can go big and the way you can go small and the way you can be effective in both routes. Or, you know, if you want to do something more pulpy, more thriller based, you know, the Da Vinci code was a few years away. And it's like, you know, that, that setup, you can do that and make it entertaining, but it's like, at least you, you have to pick a way to do it. And, I, I think the thing is it's like this is it it's either not ambitious enough or it's too ambitious. And it's hard to sort of figure out which one it is because again, like we've said, this doesn't know what it wants to be.
1: Exactly. I would argue exactly what you said that it doesn't it doesn't know what it is. So how am I as a viewer supposed to know what it is? Yeah. Yeah You know? Yeah, and you throw cool. in all this if you're trying to get me to buy into the religious aspect, you're not doing a very good job of selling it. So now on that note, can I bring up my favorite scene here? Sure. So, so they, they go to investigate this. I guess he's a priest. He's in a hospital. I think he's a priest. So they, they go to, to talk to him about what's going on. Cause they're trying to figure out this mystery. Yeah. So they walk into the room and the guy is crucified to the ceiling, all right? He's strung up. Yeah. I don't remember if it's scalpels or whatever. Something's sticking him. Just, but he's got his arms out, his legs grow. He's definitely been crucified. Yeah. So they're looking at him, and he's got all these carvings on his chest, right? So, so they start to read the carvings, and Schwarzenegger says, Christ in New York, which of course, in Schwarzenegger's accent comes out Christ in New York. So, so, so he's looking at this like this is some great mystery and trying to figure something out. Christ in New York, Christ in New York, Christ, 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 Christ in Christ Christine New York, and then they run to a phone book to find Christine York in New York City. Mind, <laughs> how is that not supposed to play as comedy?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm watching a poor priest who's been crucified to a ceiling, tortured. He's got all these carvings in himself, and I'm laughing at this scene. Yeah. That's, not the attack. That's not the intended effect, I'm sure, but that is certainly the effect that it had on me. Yeah. So every time I see the poster for this or come up online, all I think is Christ in New York. And I can't <laughs> help but laugh at <laughs> him. Like, again, if you want, there's so many better ways to do this, Brian, and yeah. it just didn't go any of them. Yeah. Like, there's that whole thing. So, so Gabriel Byrne is supposed to be a badass, obviously, because he killed the kid on a skateboard. So then there's this weird scene, I can't even describe it, where he ends up in bed with two women, but they kind of blend into each other and into him.
0: So I'm like, what
1: is going and on what here?
0: was and, and the thing is, it's like, was was that Gabriel Burner? Was that uh, Udo Kier's role character? Oh, was that
1: Udo Kier? I think it was uh, Udo's
0: my... Kier character because I made a because I made a point of mention, of you know writing it down in my notes. It's like, what the fuck was that turn from meeting Udo Kier's family to a weird ass threesome? And it's like that is such a bizarre switch. It's it's another example of this movie just going from. It seems like sometimes the movie goes from scene to scene just completely randomly, and it's it's the weirdest damn thing ever.
1: Because you're trying to sell Gabriel Byrne as the baddest villain in the history of bad villains, right? Nobody, Darth Vader does not top Satan, right? Satan's, Satan's the biggest badass on the, on the on the planet. You can't beat this guy. You know he, he you know he falls out. He's a fallen angel and it creates the opposite of heaven. You can't beat this guy. And the way they try to show him, like. Like the thing with the skateboard and then that thing with the women blending into each other. Oh, how titillating. You had a threesome. Look, the devil's a badass. Oh, whatever. It it doesn't even – like if you look at Seven, okay, which came out I think in 1994, right? About five years before this, I think? Yeah. Ninety-five. So four years before this. Seven is a brilliant movie. Seven knows how to play religion. Seven knows how to creep me out because <laughs> yeah. it's. I can't watch that movie, it's one of my favorite films. I love Morgan Freeman, Brad Green, Kevin Spacey my mm-hmm. favorite Spacey role by far. I think yeah. it's the best he's ever done. And you know what? The thing is that you, know, I, I'm watching that, and that is how you make religion creepy. That is yeah. how you do it. You don't have a guy throw a kid on a skateboard in front of a bus, that's not how you do it, you know? Yeah, so. You know, again, it's just I can't I can't get off this thing that there are just so many better ways to do this, and they didn't choose any of them. You know, and it's just, it's just, like you said, it's just from scene to scene. Sometimes it's like seeing – I think I'm watching a scene from a different movie. Mm-hmm. Like, how, why is this here? Yeah. So it's like – I swear to God. It's like they said, well, you know what? Technically, Schwarzenegger, when he played Conan in 82, was crucified to that tree. And this is a religious flick, so maybe if we crucify him in an alley, people will think of Conan and uh, have good thoughts about
0: this movie.
1: <laughs> it's like, where is it coming from? So, you're going to use religious iconography like that. You need to make religious iconography work, and yeah. this movie certainly does not.
0: Yeah, and Every, even in the you have to ahead. take it. You have to. You also have to take it. Uh, I I think you also have to if you're going to go that route of taking, taking this type of religious, these type of religious ideas seriously, you have to take them seriously. And it's like, it's not to say you can't do that in the context of a big budget action movie, but this shows that that is a little bit harder when you're trying to do something that's big and over the top. And it's like, it's, it's clear that it doesn't take that type of idea seriously because of all of the things that you're talking about. It's like
1: they decided to take every religious stereotype in bad horror movies and throw them into this one. Yeah. You know, and you get this muddled script and you get Mm -hmm. poor acting and you get, you know, Himes, he's not a brilliant director, but he's more than capable and he's more than better than this. Like you said earlier, you know, so, if we want to talk religious iconography, should we talk about the end? <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure, we can. this
1: This movie's idea, the end of the end of days. This movie's idea of showing us that towards the that he's gone through his character, arc, his, his characters, you know, character arc. You know, he's grown. He's realized that there is some kind of redemption and how to have them do that, but to martyr himself. Yeah. <laughs> so. Schwarzenegger in, I believe this is the first time since Terminator that a Schwarzenegger character has died on film. Yeah. So, so what happened was, you know, he's got to save Christine York and not only save Christine York, but save the world from the devil. Mm -hmm. And he's going to impale himself on a sword.
0: Yeah.
1: Which, you know, again, the religious iconography is all over that. He's going to martyr himself. So Schwarzenegger died so that we could live. Right. That's the message I get at the end of this film. Yeah. <laughs> Schwarzenegger has become basically a Christ figure in this movie at the end. Yeah. He has died to save us all. What do you think about that, Brian? Tell me what you right.
0: think about that. I, so I, I will admit I I like the idea of I, – I did – If you're going to go that way, narratively speaking, I like the idea of him sacrificing himself at the end. You're absolutely right. It's completely martyr. It's complete martyr, you know, self-sacrifice type choice. I like the choice in – if you're going to do that in the screenplay, again, I like that choice. Does it work in the execution, though? No. But then again, not really much of anything in this movie does work in the execution. And again, it boils down to the choice of Schwarzenegger himself. It's like he doesn't have that weight as an actor. And it's like, you know, you're talking about it. It's like I couldn't help but think it's like, well, did this movie ever pass? Did this script ever cross Mel Gibson's eyes? It's like that would be a perfect role for him because <laughs> God knows he hasn't played the martyr and mourn mourned a few of his movies. But, yeah. So
1: you get the passion of the Schwarzenegger, basically.
0: Basically, yeah. At the end of the story.
1: Well, look, <laughs> going back and revisiting this was painful, but I do have to admit I got a bunch of laughs out of it. You know. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, you have two different concepts here. You have what could have been a really good action movie, or what could have been a you know more profound look at religion and the changing times mm-hmm. and changing calendar and all that. You know, like I said, I, the action scenes are not very good. They don't really get my heart pumping. And as a guy who loves horror, the horror just doesn't – it doesn't scare me. It doesn't creep me out. It doesn't yeah. do anything for me. And that's kind of sad. And I think that Schwarzenegger you know, probably had the right intent here. He probably figured, hey, this has a little meat on its bones more than, say, Commando did, you know, that type thing. And again, I have to give him credit on one thing. I'm maybe, uh, maybe I'm blaming – him instead of the director owners. but it's certainly better than watching him, you know, sing the Snowmiser song in a frost suit in Batman.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean in Batman it, and Robin. Yeah, I mean there that that's yeah, but then again, there's not much that's more painful than watching Batman and Robin. <laughs> um, you know, there there are a lot of there. Lord knows there have been a lot of really that like when comic book movies go bad they go really bad and <clears> that one is certainly one of the worst but uh yeah I, I i do have to say it's like i i i have to give this props for i guess to a certain extent for having a little bit of ambition i just wish it knew what willing to do a little bit more a lot more
1: in well, fact well i'm i'm always i'm always willing to applaud something for trying something different yeah I, I always am yeah you know Rob zombie wants to remake Halloween he did something different with the first half of it I applaud that yeah. you know you want to do something different in art I always applaud that that does not mean I applaud the product that comes from it exactly <laughs> because the execution you know often is awful and that's exactly what you have here you mm-hmm. have a case of a movie where it could have you know could have been really something challenging or could have been just a Balls out action movie, and it's neither one of those things, and unfortunately, it's just not good.
0: Yeah, no, I I will say before we wrap up our uh, talk of end of days, there, the the one the one the main reason I was curious about this movie in 1999, and you know, makes it a little bit more surprising that I didn't see it at the time, was because this movie has a Guns N' Roses song at the end of it. It's it was the first Guns N' Roses song to come out in a few years and was the first one after the band broke up and uh it's called oh my god it plays during the end credits and i'd heard it several years before but it'd been a while since i'd heard it uh when i re- when i watched this movie and it's like yeah that's not a good song that's it <laughs> was a very good song um so it yeah, also that was, has that was, that
1: it also right. has it also I'm sorry to cut you off, but it also has a song by Rob Zombie. Um, speaking of Rob Zombie, uh, which uh, hold on one second, I can check this out real quick. Uh called Super Beast. Yeah, that's it. That's right. And there is a video. See, I don't know why <laughs> I think this was like in the two dollar used bin previously viewed at Blockbuster one time, because I do own this on I do own this on DVD, I am embarrassed to admit. Yeah, and uh, maybe I did that out of some sense of nostalgia. This being the last movie I ever saw with my brother, or maybe I just wanted to watch a shitty flick for two hours. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that Super Beast actually has. They have a video for Super Beast as one of the extras on the disc. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, so you have you, you have Guns and Roses, and you have Rob Zombie, and you know some really some <laughs> yeah some really weird. Soundtrack choices for what is a religious horror action, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, but yeah, that was that was the reason I was curious at, at the time in 1999 because I was a big Guns N' Roses fan at the time. And it's like, oh hey, a new Guns N' Roses song, you know. I never saw the movie, but I did eventually listen to the song. It's like, uh, it's okay, and then I, when I watched it after when I listened to it again after watching the movie, it's like, yeah, this wasn't that gova a song. So yeah, it kind of fits the movie there, but, uh, yeah,
1: Brian, uh, I don't think anything good is attached to this movie at all.
0: I mean, are, I again, don't think we, we talk. talked, there are good <laughs> actors that are here. they are good filmmakers. They're just not the service of a good product. Nope. Um, yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for, uh, joining me on this discussion. Uh, of End of Days, Phil. I'm I'm glad that I I am glad that even though it was a even though it is a lousy film, I am glad that I finally got a chance to see it. So I appreciate you for uh, recommend for suggesting that we watch that for if for no reason alone, other than the fact that I finally did get around to watching it.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm very. I'm very, I'm very sorry that I made you watch a really <laughs> shitty movie for this discussion.
0: Well, you know, I mean, it it happens. But
1: anyway, you week. know what? You know what? We could have done the Blair Witch thing if it weren't for my former friend Dave. And you know, everyone's talked about Blair Witch. How many people do you know that are going out of their way to talk about End of Days? Exactly.
0: In you know what? <laughs> I'm going to be talking about so many great films through 1999. You know what? There are some not so great films that, you know, they're they're worth discussing. And I mean, they're, 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 yeah. And I mean, yeah, Blair Witch, I mean, I'm going to be talking about Blair Witch with other people. It's like, I'm not too worried about that. But it's like, end of days, it's like, when you mention this one and the other one that we're going to do, it's like, okay, I could get behind this because now I can finally, you know, see some of these movies. And then, you know, it'll be an interesting discussion to watch these for the first time and sort of like talk about those thoughts. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, joining me on this.
1: Oh, Ryan, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, I'm always happy to come on your podcast. And uh, hopefully one day we will talk about great movies from 1999 or some other year, but not this time around. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Brian.
0: I'd like to thank Phil Faso for joining me today to discuss End of Days. It was a really fun conversation. Uh, we'll be back with another class of 1999 horror movie uh, to discuss. For now, uh, hit me up on patreon.com backslash sonic cinema. Any uh, time that you can uh, help, this is completely independent and I would really like to keep it that way and uh, I'd like to build this into something that is uh, sustainable. Um, Also, check us out on the YouTube Sonic Cinema podcast page. For now, though, this is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com com.